Welcome, everybody. This is the Food and Movies Podcast, where we investigate the intersection between food and movies. I'm your host, Paul, with my friend, Jeremy. How are you doing, Jer? Good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. What's our movie this week? Our movie this week is, I mean, it's hard to introduce it. I don't want to be the person to introduce it, but it's Pulp Fiction. God damn, it is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> food aside, it is a movie. Like, it is it's, a... Yeah. Wow. It's everyone's favorite movie. It's, you know, so I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone that hates this film. Uh, I have, but they're purposely edgy. Yeah, they're, they're just they're, trying to yeah. be counterculture, right? Yep. Yeah, they don't like Tarantino for some reason. Um, they just, no, just got to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, look, I'll be, I'll be the first to say I don't like every one of Tarantino's movies, especially the first time I watched them. But when I watched them again, like, I remember the first time I watched Inglorious uh, Bastards. And um, that's the name of the movie. Don't demonetize. Uh, <laughs> you can bleep me. That's um, right. First time I watched it, I was like, this is so typical him. I don't like it. I've had enough of him. Yada, yada, yada. But, and I probably even said this to you in, 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 in our history together at some point. Like, oh, I didn't like Inglorious Bastards. Uh, I watched it again more recently and was like, damn it. Actually, this was a great film. Like, there are so many things in that movie that I love, but we're not going to talk about that today. So sometimes it takes a second time through to watch it. Uh, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, I think, are the two Tarantino films that I've watched where the first time I was like, wow, like, this is something amazing. And, and, and like a lot of people, Pulp Fiction kind of was my gateway film for Tarantino. Uh, I had seen Jackie Brown, but I didn't really... I was young, and I didn't really know it was him, and I was more of an Elmore Leonard fan who... Tarantino pulls inspiration from Elmore Leonard a lot. Um, you know, Pulp Fiction, Elmore so, Leonard. So, hold on. You read Elmore Leonard before? Yeah, when I was... My mom got me into Elmore Leonard when I was a little kid. And You're the only one I know with that history who, who, who read Elmore Leonard before they watched Tarantino. Yeah. Elmore Leonard is Pulp Fiction. Like he, he writes yes, Pulp Fiction. Yes, he absolutely like he, is. He, he's a quintessential Pulp Fiction. And you can see the, the definitely the connection between the two, the author... Elmore Leonard and Tarantino, the director, even though, you know, they've only done one movie together, I think, was was uh, Jackie Brown. And I don't know. Ofi officially, but writers in general, artists, they are always influenced by each other. And you can see a direct line from Elmore Leonard to Tarantino. The way the way Tarantino writes his characters, his dialogue, you can see that mirrored a lot in uh, Leonard's books. There's a poetry to the way they do it. That's very like blunt and it's almost like people it's not like kevin smith no like kevin smith stuff sounds written yeah and it's like no one talks like that but it's good don't get me wrong i'm not gonna take a dump on kevin smith uh this is the name of the podcast uh, no uh i'm like i'm not gonna be harsh on kevin smith but that's his style tarantino's style is a little bit more accessible uh but still in a lot of ways like you know we'll, we'll i'll point out some time when we're going through the movie i'll point out sections where i'm like yeah people don't talk like that uh but for the most part, I think Tarantino masterfully writes uh, dialogue, a lot of films, right? Especially the dialogue of mid-level criminals, which is what Elmore Leonard made his career, second career out of, which is like, yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone had really kind of made their bones on the middle class of criminal life the way Elmore Leonard did, and then Tarantino adapted to the films yeah. of his own styles. The thug, the... the, the uh... They're just, they're just regular folks trying to the, make it in the, the world. The you know bookie. I mean? like, it's always yeah. like a bookie or a private detective or crap like that. It's always something, right? They're always a schlemiel, too. They're always yeah. a guy who's just their own worst enemy. 
Good, Always good got like use, good yeah. use of shlemiel. I, I I appreciate you know my Jewish brothers out there. Conti, Back to Pulp uh, Fiction. Okay, all right. So we were talking about Elmore Leonard as a precursor to Tarantino and his effect on him. Did you have anything more to say? Because I I, I I kind of have a lot to say. Yeah, no, I wanted to I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, you know, first Tarantino movie you watched. Favorite Tarantino? If you have one, that's hard. I know that's a tough question. What was your gateway Tarantino film? Gateway Tarantino film was Pulp Fiction. There you go. This was the first, and I saw Reservoir Dogs after this, but I saw Pulp Fiction with my friend Craig. Shout out to Craig. Um, Never seen anything like it. Uh, There was only, there's only a couple of movies where I left them, and I saw it in the theater too, thank God. Um, But there's only a couple of movies where I was like, whoa, my life is different now. And Pulp Fiction was one of those movies. I mean, we don't realize how formulaic movies are until you see a Pulp Fiction where it just breaks every formula and you just, it's just like, man, how did you even pull this off, man? Like, and I will say that I really love movies that are structured uh, serially, or is that the right word for it? Or episodically. I love movies that are episodic like this, Uh, similar to recently The French Dispatch, love that. Great film. And, And I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, since I watched Pulp Fiction back when I was a young lad. But um, I was trying to figure out what Tarantino is. Like, what is this guy's style? And I think I've got it. You tell me if I think I've got it, right? So I, I think that Tarantino is the only filmmaker whose style is collage. Hmm. And specifically, his, his main two drawing points are French New Wave and exploitation movies. Two genres which I don't think anyone other than Tarantino would ever think of putting together. Yeah, okay. And I mean, also there's the commonly known spaghetti western thing, which we get influences of it in Pulp Fiction. It's a little bit more seen in 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 other films, but yeah, he collages things. But he takes the wit and the self-referentialness. That's not a word. Sorry, self-deferential. There you go. But he but he takes mostly the wit and 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 deprecating. No, no, no. Self-referential. Sorry. Okay. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> so, so he takes that from the French New Wave and he applies it to genre type movies, genre exploitation type movies specifically. Yeah. But his overall style is a style of collage. He loves things. He'll take Elmore Leonard, put it inside these pulpy genre stories of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But the way the film is constructed is constructed similar to like a French New Wave movie. But it's not completely French New Wave and genre it's it's because he will throw other things in there like you said like spaghetti westward which is actually a genre but but yeah. uh for kill bill the the opening quote is a klingon proverb right like yep just throws that he just in there. throws that in there just for fun um i mean and, and and we can point them out as we go through for sure because there are a lot of different things in i mean in, in all of his movies like going back to the ex- exploitation in jackie brown having pam greer as a character like having her uh, she was the queen of black exploitation films, you know, she had coffee, uh, a few of those other films, uh, which were, you know, interesting genre in and of itself. I don't have much exposure to them, or I never did at the time, because I was a little kid. I've seen them since, um, and you can totally see how he draws from that and how he pulls that into other films. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Is there another filmmaker whose style is collage like this? I don't think there is. Hmm. I would have to think. I would really have to think on that because... All right. 
But uh, anyway, tell, tell, was, was this, what was your first Tarantino movie? Um, yeah, let's go. So mine was Pulp Fiction as well. And then what's your favorite Tarantino movie? Do you have a favorite? Is it- this is actually a tough question because I think his, I think favorite, I watched Kill Bill Volume 1 the most. That's the one I had the most fun rewatching. Mm-hmm. But his, but I think the one I liked the most was Pulp Fiction. Okay. Yeah, it was I, just such a revelation. It was just so fresh and new, and just a mind blower. But it doesn't have the same rewatchability as Kill Bill. Kill Bill is just a fun ride, you know. I find a lot of like my favorite movies or the great movies that like the movies like you said they you, you leave the theater and you're like, wow, that that was something. Like I find I can't watch them again. Well, uh, specifically with Pulp Fiction because the reveal at the end that they were in the same diner as the opening yeah. scene like you'll never get that feeling again you'll never get that no. surprise again no 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 and that yeah i mean even when i rewatched it for for this podcast coming into that i was like oh right like that that was that and that was amazing and i forgot about that like there were things that i forgot about um like uh, and there i'm always finding new things and I'm, I'm i'm almost embarrassed to admit it but today was the first time and i've watched pulp fiction probably i don't know 20 30 times um which is probably an exaggeration, but uh, in the Jack Rabbit Slim's diner scene, their waiter is Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and I totally never knew that. Really, I totally never knew that. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna admit it here, in front of everyone. I totally never knew that that was Steve Buscemi. And I watch movies with a fine tooth comb. Like I go through them. I watch them. You know, especially for the purposes of what we're doing. Um, you know, we watch them very close. And and. And I was totally like, how the hell have I never known that? And that's Tarantino, right? I will say, of all of Steve Buscemi's parts, that's the one where he's most hidden in his yeah. costume and makeup. Yeah. That, sure. that one could slip by you. Yeah. Well, you don't see his, his you know, mouth. Uh, <laughs> and also the glasses cover his crazy eyes, too. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's young. He's very young. The reason I, I, I reference French New Wave is because... His company, its production company, is called A Band Apart, which is a play on the Jean-Luc Godard film. R.I.P. Jean-Luc Godard, by the way. Mm-hmm. His movie, Band Apart, which I think we should talk about that film for a second because that film, Band Apart, which is translated to Band of Outsiders, was incredibly influential, influential to the film industry and just art in general. But it directly, you can see it, in Tarantino by him naming his production company a band yeah. apart as a spin on that. But it's also the translation of Band of Outsiders is a fashion label, a very hip men's fashion label. So is there any movie that spawned two cooler things than Quentin Tarantino and a hip men's fashion label than the movie Band Apart? Uh no. No. I'm just All not right. I'm just gonna come out and say it no. Alright. Uh, I mean I think a lot of respect to uh, to that film in particular, and also, you know, he just passed away. What what was it? A couple of days ago? Yeah, uh, assisted suicide. Oh, really? Yeah, I, didn't, I did not know that. I I had not. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I had not looked into it. It's funny how you know with the with the Queen's passing and his passing, and uh, like you just get so overwhelmed with the news and stuff that you just. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look into it. And also, like, I just, you know, sometimes I'm a very oblivious person. 
So I, th- I, I thank you for, for looking into that and, and actually educating me about it. I think that's, uh, that, that's some stuff. I mean, I knew the Band Apart thing, but also interesting enough in that his logo has the people in Reservoir Dogs who technically are a group of outsiders. Yeah, and, and also the way they're dressed is the way the characters were dressed in Band Apart. As yeah, well. so he pays homage and he knows where kind of things come from. And, and let's face it, like we work in, you and I have worked in advertising. Um, no such thing as a new idea. And I think Tarantino embodies that because he'll take an existing style or an existing thing. Like you said, he's a collage master. He's a scrapbooker of film. Um, and he he puts a spin on it. He puts his own slant on it. He puts his own kind of uh, thing to it. Yeah, the, the entire point of collage is to take things and turn them into something new. Yeah, and something beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, we, and that's done in graphic design all the time. In filmmaking, it hasn't really been done, except for Tarantino, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone does it to some level, but Tarantino is clearly, and also in, like, in, in his personality, too, the way he talks, the way he is, um, all that he does is he's, like, you know, he's always, t- he's the biggest film nerd. And he, his podcast. Literally. Yeah, his podcast now, like with the video store stuff, I forget the title of it, but uh, shout out to that podcast. Listen to it if you can; it's great. Yeah, yeah, listen to um, that. But like, we'll get to send some of our viewers over to that podcast. Yeah, yeah, because support he that. probably he probably doesn't have enough viewers anyway. So we'll we'll plug his podcast. Hopefully, he'll do the same. Hopefully, he'll do well over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's two guys in Canada that just really love my film. <laughs> So cool. Hashtag. Right, Tarantino. right. So yeah, it's Tarantino. And the thing about Tarantino, I would not have known, like Godard. I felt I feel like is more closer to. Uh, I felt closer to Godard as a filmmaker personally. I just there's something about him that I think we kind of. I have the same kind of mentality as him. I've, I've watched interviews with him. I've watched his films, and I just think this guy is like me. This is a person like. Me. And I wouldn't have ever found him if it wasn't for Tarantino. Tarantino got me serious about movies before that i was kind of like a dilettante but it was because of tarantino where i really got into films and i eventually made my way to godard mostly because of tarantino i do kind of wonder because there used to be that that movie the the video store guy and there used to be the record store guy the nerd who would just who who just couldn't help themselves just they needed an outlet to speak about their passion yeah and they were in every town Every little yeah. town had one of these guys. Absolutely. And now that those things are gone, I, I, like, are they just on Twitter now? Like, what happened to these? Like, they have to be somewhere, right? No, they're probably incels. <laughs> we didn't call them that back then. We didn't know what they were. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, you know what? I, I, I think I, they're on Reddit. Are you saying they're on Reddit, not They're Twitter? probably on Reddit. But I take that okay. back because and, and I, I, I like, I actually happen to like people. I, I do too. I do I too. We people, need those guys. I find people yeah. like that to be not only entertaining, and not, and you know, look look at what we're doing right now, right? We are those guys. We're pretty much doing yeah. the same. We're pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah. Hot take of the day right now. Uh, mm-hmm. We're pretty much doing the same thing. Um, so, you know, that like that the, those guys they were the podcasters. Like you'd go in and you'd be. Forced, they were the podcasters. You'd be they forced were. to listen to a video store guy talk for 20 minutes about you know the movie you're renting thank god they didn't do it about the like adult section in the back because that would have been just embarrassing (laughs) okay before we get going uh into the and dive into the food i i would like to say that the one thing that i never thought of about Fiction, but realized in the second watching is 
how amazing and subtle the world building is in this yeah. movie. You are actually like you feel like you're in a different world. Yeah, red apple just by the red settings, cigarettes, the uh, haircuts of Jules hair, and Vincent. Yeah. You know what I mean? The elevator, which opens like a regular door. Yeah, that's when you know you're in a different universe. When that elevator opens up like that. That scene in particular is one of my favorite scenes when they're talking about the foot massaging. Yeah, yeah, it, that's the scene. Yeah, going up to Jimmy's, uh, and they're they're talking about the foot massaging, and it's like a continuous shot, right? Throughout that whole story, and they're just Travolta. Oh, we should we should get into it. We should we should. Yeah, let's get into it, and okay, we'll, okay, we'll, so. we'll we'll play that. So that was the introduction, and now we are going to go through the movie chronologically, and analyze it via the food in the scenes we have uh, we have listed here. So, right off the bat, and again, I'm just going to say from the beginning, Pulp Fiction might be the greatest food movie of all time. Agreed. That's not about food, but the food draw helps the story for sure. There is so much food in this movie. You don't realize it until you actually go through it. So right off the bat, first scene in a diner. It's Honey Bunny and it is Pumpkin, played by Tim Roth, by the way, your boy. Yeah. And they're sitting in a diner. They've already eaten breakfast. There's like remains of their breakfast all over the place. And they're eating, they're, they're drinking coffee. Yeah. He's talking about bank robbery and, and the different types of robberies. They dive right in and they're talking, and he's talking about bank robberies and it's in a weird british accent she does not have a british accent which again goes into like this little things like that which immediately draw you in that intrigued me that immediately i'm trying to invent a backstory for these people like how did they meet who are they what's going yeah. on yeah how did he come over here he's a bank robber how did the bank robber come over here like i don't think he can get immigration but if he has a, you know, yeah. a record yeah that's not a uh it's not one of the things that you know usually gets you citizenship yeah but one of the great Great subtle pleasures of life is sitting in a diner chatting. And this movie puts you right in there. It makes you feel very comfortable. You're in there with them. You just had your breakfast. You're drinking your coffee. You're sitting down. You're chatting with your significant other or whoever. Yeah. Very comfortable. And this is also uh, um, notable is that the first close-up in the movie is a close-up of the waitress's face. Okay. The person who brings you food, that's the first close-up. Yeah. That's... And there's good. No, no, please. Uh, well, and and then at a certain point, Pumpkin, played by Tim Roth, puts his cup in the air, and says "garçon, coffee," and the waitress comes over and says "garçon" means boy, and walks away in a <laughs> deadpan. And that's such a specific yeah. thing. It's like again, like what am I watching right now? Anything could happen. I don't know where I am. Any other director would have probably edited that out. It was just a funny moment, and it it gave that scene such realism. We, we immediately know where we're at and we immediately know that, okay, this is a movie about criminals because he's immediately talking about the robberies they've committed, the, they've, they've robbed liquor stores, the, the very low level type of robberies and the dangers involved. As he starts explaining why it's a good idea to rob a restaurant, she starts becoming sexually turned on, it seems like. Ah. I mean, you tell me. She's No, like, I agree. I, I'm glad you brought it up. I have it here in my notes. Yeah, and, and to I, the point where she's like pretty smart and she's like, I want to do it right now. And it sounds like they're about to have sex right now. This is how these two seem to get, get it on, right? Right. And I think that's a subtle callback to a little film called Natural Born Killers. That's You know what? I like it. We're, you and I on a wavelength, I have Natural Born Killers written down right here. Hey. So, after that scene, boom, cut to Jules, Sam Jackson, and Vincent, John Travolta, driving on the way to Hitman. 
talking about Europe. And so we go from an establishment where they're talking, where they're in this food establishment talking about crime to a car where they're going to commit a crime, but they're talking about food. How you get a glass of beer in Europe? Well, they start, they start with pot. They're talking about hash. Yeah. And then it goes into, because because Vincent, Vincent has just come from Amsterdam. Right. Right. So then he talks about how the little differences in Europe, how you can get a beer, a glass of beer in a European movie theater. And in Paris, you uh, there's McDonald's in Paris. Very famous scene about the Royale with cheese. How the quarter pounder is called a Royale with cheese because of the metric system. And a Big Mac is called Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac, which one of the funniest lines of the film. Le Big Mac, which it was funny because the line after that, and I'm wondering, I would love to, if we ever could, you know, if we ever get big enough and we can bring Tarantino onto the podcast, I would love to ask... Little big enough, little big enough. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to ask him that if he meant for the next line to be like, what do they call a Whopper? He's like, I don't know, I didn't go to Burger King. I'm wondering if he meant that to be funny or if Little Big Mac was actually meant... Because I laughed harder at Little Big Mac than I did at the Whopper shtick. Like, I just didn't do it for me. By the way, when you go through this movie and you look for just the food, the conversations about... There's a lot of talk, food talk in this movie as opposed to... Yeah, food action, food talk, a lot of it. And they talk about how in Holland they put mayonnaise on french fries. Yeah, which I love. Uh, Jules you, is, I love you, it too. Jules is, was grossed out by it. I love it too. So I would say that little exchange with the Royale with cheese and the movie theater, and that is one of the great food conversations yeah. in cinema history. In the history one of the most, in, if not the best, iconic. It's the most iconic. In the history of me, I mean, The Simpsons. Their, the Everyone. Simpsons rip on it was one of my favorites with Wiggum. Yeah. As a crusty burger with cheese, you know, like, well, what do they call it? You know, like that was one of my favorite Simpsons scenes. That was my ringtone for years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I caught a pound of cheese. <laughs> well, I could picture the cheese, you know, like what a great, oh, man. what a great scene. And then it, but then it transitions into one of the greatest scenes that long hallway foot massage. The scene you're referring to, I don't think it would have been as effective without the foreshadowing food talk Absolutely. leading up to it. Absolutely. It sets yeah. up... They're talking set, about hamburgers, for God's sakes. It sets yeah. up their relationship. Yeah. Very close friends. They know one another. And this is what they do. They sit and we don't know what they're about to do. We don't know the horror. And this is very Tarantino, uh, which we'll get to. But we do know that they're... Two low-level criminals doing some stuff, but but even that, do we? Here's the thing, Tarantino. Again, what we're talking about collage. What he does with this, with a lot of this, is very Hemingway-esque in the iceberg yeah. theory, where he gives you a slice, and in that slice, he doesn't explicitly tell you anything. He doesn't tell you what the relationship is between Vincent and Jules. Nothing like that. Yeah. But you can infer it. Yeah, you're just from guessing. Their, yeah. Yeah, you can build an entire backstory in your head without even realizing. So we knew they were not, you know, going to church. Yeah, at the very least, yeah, we knew that. And just by the way, their their energy and the way they carried themselves, right. you could tell these are not guys who have nine to five jobs. Yeah, you could just tell. And then when they start talking about the foot massaging and Marcellus right. Wallace, we know that now they are mid level. They answer to somebody. And we're getting a little bit of foreshadowing into what goes on later with, with Mia Wallace. Uh, and, and so Tarantino's using his dialogue. Because like, you know, in our last episode, we talked about uh, the Queen and how that was very character-based. Tarantino's very dialogue. 
Now, and that's not to say these aren't, he's not building characters, but he builds everything. He tells his story through a lot of dialogue. But let's break into the apartment because there's, okay, so this is a big food scene. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, so much to unpack. Minute 15, Jules knocks on the door. He doesn't, Tarantino doesn't say what's going on. It's just the reactions of everyone in the room. Like, whoa, what? Oh. Everyone's tense. Everyone's on edge. What the hell's going to happen here? Something, something dangerous is going to happen. We know that much. Yeah. there, there's. But any other director would have been like, guns blazing, go in there, get up against the wall, give me the thing, give me, you know, but not, it was so menacing in its oh. subtleness. And Jules acknowledging, oh, looks like we caught you guys during breakfast again. You yeah. Know? We went for one breakfast to another breakfast, and he asked, what are you having? And we get into this whole mundane spiel about what the man's having. And what is he having, Jer? Uh, with a big kahuna burger. And, yeah. and it's interesting, because big kahuna burgers made up burger, right? Yeah. I, as far as I'm concerned. Made up maybe, branding. Great great made up branding in all terms. Maybe subsequently somebody has opened a big kahuna burger in Hawaii or something. Probably, yeah. But like, uh, and, and you shout out to Babish. Uh, yep. You know, the Big Kahuna Burger, he made it what his version of it is. And what his version, what Babish's version of it is, is exactly what I pictured a Big Kahuna Burger to be. That grilled pineapple, the smash burger, uh, like just an L.A., like an In-N-Out Burger style burger, but with a Hawaiian kind of slant to it. And, um, you know, we're going to be doing recipes every episode. I wanted to do this burger so badly, but... It was. It has been done so well that I'll. You're, you're an artist. You can't cut. I'll, no, for, I'll forego it. Let's talk about how how good that the connection was. the connection of food and menace leading to violence. Well, just I that, mean, the book. just to him of he just kept asking about the, what are you having and, and just yeah. putting him on on the edge like what is it like what, where'd you get it because then he asks him can I have your burger right and he's he like, makes him say he makes he doesn't just take it yeah, like like a normal he's like permission can I have your burger yeah and the guy of course could be like go ahead and, and we, he eats the man's burger in front of him and we all know who's running the show in the room <laughs> is there like, anything more alpha than oh. Sam Jack first eating the burger and then asking for the Sprite and the, finishing this you're not going to need this Sprite I'm going to finish it right now you know every every like toxic dude you know, like we, we, we sometimes we talk about toxic masculinity. Every yeah. toxic dude wants to have wants to be that guy. He's not even aggressive about it. Buddy on the buddy tries to do something on the couch. The hand gesture, calm down, flock of seagulls. Uh, you know, like Brad tries to stand up. He's like, no, no, chill. I'm in control here. Just with a hand, yeah, just like boom. Yeah, just his persona. And Vincent even just goes to the kitchen, does his business, lights a smoke, whatever. But so going back to the burger, he's like, what are you guys having? Hamburgers. Okay, but what kind of burgers? Oh, big kahuna burger. Yeah. That's that Hawaiian burger joint. The way he says Hawaiian is awesome. Loved like, it. Just, like, and I'm wondering if that was like Tarantino or if that was a choice. That Sam I think it's just how Sam made. Jackson says that Hawaiian. Hawaiian burger joint. Yeah. I can't it even really leaned it. in, put stank on the end of it. Love that. The scene excites me, by the way. Like, just yeah. letting you know. And he's like... Hmm. Like just that, even that. Like, That's right. He does the little reaction. The, the arrogance of when he takes yeah. that bite, and he's talking about his wife's a vegetarian, so and he offers it to Vincent too. Like this is my burger now. I'll yeah. offer it to Vincent. Yeah, like I'll, I'm in control. Like he's taking control. Yeah. But what's funny is that that then contrast it to my wife's a vegetarian, which could be total 
girlfriend, I believe. Or girlfriend. Yeah, the girlfriend. Could be total BS. But he's like, so therefore I'm a vegetarian. Like, so in some aspect of his life, he's trying to connect with people. Like, he's trying to connect with them. As it's like, oh yeah, your lady's in control of the house or whatever. But he will relinquish control to his girlfriend. I think we got to come up with a new segment called New Spinoff. Uh, Jules' to- wife needs a spinoff movie. Yeah. We need to know just more to about see, Jules's wife. If this girlfriend, is, sorry, girlfriend. Girlfriend, wife, partner, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. I want to know about Jules's girlfriend, the vegetarian. If this is true, and Jules goes home, he parks his gun, and he sits down to a nice like lentil soup. <laughs> Some you know, like, but he's But his whole day has been spent. But, I mean, think about it this way. There's a TV show with Paul Giamatti where... Oh, uh, billions. Where yeah, he's the very, very first scene, he's getting in the sexual. Yeah, yeah. Sexually, he likes to be. Yeah, like they like to be dominated. They like in, to give up control in the boudoir. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so. So you think Jules? Whoa, there is some BDSM in this movie, by the way. Oh, like, well, let's Jules, not go there. But, <laughs> but I, but I wonder because Tarantino doesn't shy away from stuff like that. Right? He leans in. He leans in. So I wonder if if Jules being one in his relationship with. Vince Vega, he has kind of like they both have the back and forth, but he's the more alpha of the two. Vince Vega chills. Yes, still very. That's still very an alpha, whatever. No, but between he, the two of them, Jules is the alpha for sure. Yeah, but Vega's more the silent kind of killer, right? Yeah. So they, they and those are real personalities, right? Like you come into you bump heads with those every day. But so interesting that he goes. My wife's a vegetarian, so that pretty much makes me a vegetarian. So he, you know, he he actually treats this as a job. It's not a lifestyle. It's a job, and he goes home and has a, he has a home life. It's very interesting. And then we cut, and then the sprite comes in, which I don't know about you, but of the sodas, I've, root beer, sprite. Right there, yeah. Interesting. Coca Cola is in there too, but like, okay. And and but Sprite is hits oh. a spot. Okay. Well, I, I was gonna, I was thinking about that and how there's so many made up brands in the movie, Kahuna Burger, like you mentioned. But they he kept Sprite though to kind of make you think, are we in the real world? You know what I mean? It was a connection to realism by having the Sprite there. But also Sprite is of the sodas, which let's, let's just say sodas not refreshing. Sprite is a refreshing soda. That's, I went through a Sprite phase when I was oh. like uh, in my fat kid time of life. <laughs> Real sad time of life, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it was just bad. I'm, I'm going through that now. Oh, God. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, and also in this scene, they're looking for the suitcase, which is Marcellus Wells' suitcase, right. what they're there for. And, and These guys stole it. The first and the glimpse. suitcase is in the kitchen. It's in the place yeah. where they prepare food. So food, again, plays a part in this whole thing. Flock of seagulls on the couch goes, uh, hey, hey, it's right back there under the yeah. cabinet. And also deliberate Tarantino. No, no, the cabinet there, right? Like he's looking. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Which, which really adds realism to the scene. And once again, most. Oh, also, we, we uh, when they were coming up to the apartment, they're ready there and says, we're a little bit early. So when they hang back for a second, yeah, yeah. again, it's like a deliberate, like, what? Oh, no, no, not that one over there. Like, we, we need two more minutes. Just give me a second. Most big directors would have edited that stuff out. Like, just to, Everyone would have. Everyone, Just yeah. to streamline the story. But it actually makes the story. 
Or it gives it you, it just gives you, I mean, adds, to, and this whole scene in Tarantino, this is the first time he's, in, in my opinion, I've seen him do it. Because like we said, Tarant, uh, Pulp Fiction was our gateway movie. Watching Tarantino build tension. Right. Right. And, and he also he also does something that is like a, uh, a, 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 a one of the rules or one of the philosophies of graphic design, which is to it's to surprise and delight. Yeah. You go into a scene. You don't know what's going to happen. And then by the end of it, you're surprised and delighted. But the way he does it. So now we've carried past the sprite. We've seen the, the briefcase. I don't really want to debate what this briefcase is about. I don't care. Whatever it is, it's 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 not germane to what's happening. And um, then we get to the most brutal thing I've ever seen in film. The casually shooting guy on the couch. Cat, flock of seagulls takes a bullet. Yep. That and, was brutal. And it's the most... Like, I've never... Even Tarantino hasn't done anything like it since, really. He didn't even acknowledge it. He used it as an exclamation point to just continue the... Just... Boom. Oh, did I break your concentration? And it almost like you have to rewatch it because you're like, did he just do that? Yeah, because it, it, it doesn't explicitly, like normally when someone gets shot, there's like, boom, and it's like their hands go flying and blood goes flying. This guy just kind of like rolled over for a second. It was just like, oh, he's dead. And then yeah. and then just chaos ensues, right? Yeah. Another thing, the fact that this guy can actually eat a burger and drink a Sprite before he does something that cold-blooded makes you think like, Man, that is cold. That sets up everything down the line, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the car scene where the, you know, whatever happens. We'll get there. But it just sets up how they act, how they are, who they are, right? So it's all, he's just building his characters through dialogue, through subtle action, uh, stuff like that. Let's skip to the next food scene. It cuts to... Butch, a.k.a. Bruce Willis, sitting in a strip club. Bruce Willis is being lectured to by Marcellus Wallace as far as he needs to take a dive in this fight. I don't know why Marcellus Wallace has to be so theatrical about lecturing this guy about no. taking a dive. A lot of people in this movie really love theatricality of their jobs, apparently. Yeah. Marcellus Wallace is no ex exception to that. Ving, Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. Great actor. Minute 22, towards the end of uh, Marcellus Wallace's lecture to Bruce Willis, who is a boxer taking a dive, he is giving him the rationale as to why he should take a dive in that he is a over-the-hill boxer, and that there's tons of over-the-hill boxers out there who think they're going to age like wine, but they don't. They age like vinegar. Yeah, which is a... Any thoughts on the metaphor for aging I'm a, like Well, wine? I'm a big wine guy, and so two things. If, if wine ages poorly, it turns into vinegar. Um, vinegar doesn't taste good. No one's sipping vinegar. Um, unless there's some weird apple cider vinegar medicinal thing. Well, I think it's weird. It's, it's unusual that a man in this in this position that Marcellus Wallace is of some kind of uh, uh, kingpin. Yeah, he's, he's the top is, is top. referencing aging like like it's very Shakespearean almost the way he, yeah. he's talking about these things. I know? agree. I agree. I kind of got a little bit of Don King from him because if you've ever seen Don King interviews, he's always referencing weird Shakespearean things or very specific kind of uh, highly intelligent things. So yeah. I think this speaks to the nature of how Marcellus Wallace climbed to the top of this hierarchy, this this criminal hierarchy. Like he does seem like he's an intelligent guy because because of this one mention of uh, aging, like like vinegar. Yeah, and I mean, once again, going back to Elmore Leonard. 
Elmore Leonard has a quintessential character trope in that if there's usually one uh, somewhat higher up guy, wealthier guy that has thinks he's very cultured because there's a comedy in that, right? Like the yeah. the big dumb mob boss, new who, money guy. Yeah, like yeah. in The Sopranos, it's uh, Carmine Jr. And yeah, yeah. so, but Ving Rhames is kind of comes off as not that, but he's a very no. smart. He's a very yeah. smart guy. I, I don't know about cultured, but there is there's some some element of culture between comparing wine and vinegar. Going back to your point about it, it's very Shakespearean, right? Yeah. In a lot of ways. So I think that's a good little nod, a good little kind of food point. Um, and yeah. Interjecting themselves into that scene is Vincent and Jules, who look much different, and they make their ways to the bar. The guy at the bar, his name is Paul. I think I should acknowledge that, being a Paul myself. Vincent. When he heads to the bar, orders coffee, Jules has a beer. Looks like a Heineken. Shows you a little bit of who they are, I guess, because Vincent, uh, Travolta's character, is a heroin addict Yeah. in the film. But Vincent has somewhere to be, doesn't he? Yeah, and Jules, I think, I think the fact that Jules is okay drinking a Heineken at whatever it is in the morning, and then and Vincent drinking a coffee, and also being a heroin addict, I think that Jules probably is not a drug addict. He probably just is into weed. Yeah, whereas Vincent's probably on something, um, but yeah. also he's got he's got to take out Mia Wallace. Wallace. Like it's specific to their characters. He, he, he could just give them both beers, but no, like Vincent's drinking coffee, Jules is drinking beer. Very different things, you know. You go to a bar. Oh, you don't drink, right? But you go to a bar. I do every now and then, but I'm not like a huge drinking. What do you order? Huge drinker. Usually, like a beer. That might be the the dichotomy between these two characters, right? Is that Vincent doesn't want to be bothered with the drink. He just wants the coffee. He's got stuff to do. But, but we also know from previously that he enjoyed going to a movie theater and getting a glass of beer. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right, so I'm just... I'm, Who knows? I'm, Who over, knows? I'm putting uh, my overthinking cap on. Maybe. All right. Let's keep the story going. All right, moving along. Minute 32, Vincent is going to take Marcellus Wallace's wife... Mrs. The Mia absolutely Wallace. absolutely gorgeous Mrs. Mia Wallace, the absolutely gorgeous Emma Thurman, Uma who is barefoot. <laughs> Uma we don't see blonde we... or Uma with this haircut? That haircut all day. All day? All day. Well played. Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace is one of the sexiest humans of all time. Uma Thurman in general. <laughs> like Mia I, Wallace, though, man. I mean, just, but her, her, come on. Her abilities, like, just had, like, I've seen her do so many different, like, she was in Sh a Schumacher Batman film, and she was, yeah. good, and she was good. There's a reason. She's one of Tarantino's troop, right? Like, she's she, a star. She's a goddamn she's star. She's unbelievable. Like, not beyond her looks. Like, let's, that's fine. No, no. Is this, is another thing? There's something about her. There is something about being star quality, which yeah. she has. There's something yeah. about her that is just beautiful and amazing and, and special. Charisma, man. Yeah, and it's sad. It's totally that. But it is it is hilarious how Jules and Vincent nearly got into a fight over whether or not... Or basically, they're talking about how Marcellus Wallace killed a dude for giving his wife a foot massage. And the first thing we see about Mia Wallace is her bare feet. Her bare feet. Extended is, shots with her bare feet. Yeah, which is way. a Tarantino thing. We didn't know he had a foot fetish at this point. No. Like now is now is common knowledge. But I even wonder if he if if it's not so much a foot fetish as it's just he it's a common plot driver for him. 
But no, he... he oh, like he's, he's admitted pretty, it to it? He's I, admitted it, yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't follow it with that much interest because not a foot guy. But, um, okay. yeah. So we're in the house. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so Mia, she asked him to, to come in and fix, fix himself a drink. cocktail. He has a whiskey, looks yep. like. Uh, whiskey on the rocks. Which is is how, there anything we want to read into this one? Or this, I don't think so. One? I think he's just having a drink. He's got that madman heroin from uh, what's yeah, his nose from yeah. Buddy and the uh, his drug dealer there, Lance. Yeah. By the way, nailed. Yeah. Nailed what a drug dealer's Lance house was, is like. like the, the, <laughs> there's always those weird <laughs> chicks in there for some reason. Yeah, Every drug dealer talking about her piercings. That whole piercing yeah. bit was great, but also just like the, the girl lives with him, totally happy to. Uh, yeah enjoy the drugs uh live off the fruits of his labor but as soon as it inconveniences her in some way she's freaked out she's upset she hates his lifestyle which is just a great just a very real truth which is funny if you go back and watch the scene with lance and jules uh doing the drug deal there are shells on the wall with decorative very like stripper heels all over the wall. Oh yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I don't know if that's foreshadowing for the Mia Wallace scene or if it's Tarantino's foot fetish coming out in other ways. Yeah, or it's just interesting, or it's like it's just trying to make that. It's trying to give you that visceral feeling of going to a drug. I know I'm not going to admit anything on this podcast. No, but, we have never been to a drug dealer's house ever. That feeling you have when you're going to buy pot at 2 a.m. at some dude's house, and you're like. You've it's never, the worst. You've never it's met just the, the dude, worst. and it was just oh, God. Thank God it's legal now. Oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, great scene. Uh, no, Not much food in that, but just... Not much food. Okay, good, so... Good lead up to this scene. I know we're all out of context now. So, from that scene, we go into the best, I would say, set piece. Yeah. food scene of the yeah, movie absolutely the burgers the big kahuna burger is probably the best food scene but as a elaborate set piece i think the jackrabbit yeah. slims as a food scene absolutely tremendous absolutely so tremendous. much to unpack um yeah by the way if there was a place called jackrabbit slims that's the only place you would ever take a first date i mean honestly like, that's a good where else would you go it's a good date spot it's definitely incredible a good date spot. like like incredible like, uh Travolta says like a wax museum. Come to life. Come to life. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, right? Like Elvis impersonating. Like it, it, it's a very LA thing. Like it's a planet Hollywood kind of thing, right? I don't know if people would put up with it anymore, but also very awesome kind of concept for us. Oh, dude, come on. Like with the amount of influencers out there, that yeah. would be an influencer magnet. Yeah. Come on. But it, it's very Disney World. Right? Like, I feel like that restaurant exists somewhere in, in Universal Studios or Disney. Okay, okay. With the cars, the booths, yeah. and all that crap. Do you want to get into the ordering or do you want Let's to get in the food? Way? Let's get in Let's the get food. Let's get into the food. So all right, so they, they end up sitting in a car, booth in a car. Yeah. You want to get into it, Joe? Yeah, they, well, so she orders the Derwood Kirby burger. Yep. Who Derwood Kirby was a host from back in the day on the Gary Moore show. Yeah. Uh, interesting fellow. The burger itself is uh, your basic American style burger. It, I was going to do the recipe on this burger, but it kind of seemed weird. I just actually didn't, I, I don't know. It didn't seem like a great burger option for me. But the, the, the one thing I did notice about the burger, on the plate there was a slice of watermelon. Slice of watermelon, which is interesting yeah. because the burger itself, I looked up what a Derwood Kirby burger should be or what the interpretation of it is. And I don't know 
I couldn't find in my research whether Tarantino made this up as like his own burger name or as an actual thing. Uh, but the recipes I had seen for it were like, it's a, your standard high fat burger, thicker French style burger, not like a smash burger. And then it has this sauce, which is a red onion, a cooked red onion, which rarely you would do. But then there's a tomato paste based sauce using red onions. And then two pickles, caramelized onions within the burger itself with Dijon mustard. It's a very French rich style patty. It sounds uh, delicious. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And then I don't know what the watermelon was there for. I don't, I don't, as a food guy, I don't understand how the watermelon, I guess it was there maybe, but it's not even acidic. And just to maybe it's like a chaser, you know, bite a burger, it's got really salty and you go for the yeah, watermelon. I, well, the, t the burger would have a lot of acid in it. I would think it would be on like a Kaiser style bun, like a, mm. a bun that holds up, not like a potato bun, a bun mm. that holds up to that level of sauce. Then your typical condiments thrown on there yeah. and your garnishes, pickles, onions. All that do you like your burger when it comes out open so you build it on the table or do you like it just like with a knife through it to holding it to you? how do you how do you prefer your burger in so general the best burgers i find in the world are done in france the french have taken the american hamburger and perfected it with better ingredients just french beef thick juicy like a steak high fat content um and and you taste the beef Mm. Whereas you, you also a great callback between Godard and Tarantino. Yeah, there you go. Interestingly yeah. enough, this burger should be done. In the 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 uh, Derwood Kirby burger seems to be done in a French style, like okay. that French bistro style burger, as opposed to the U.S. smash burger kind of thing, the In and Out burger kind of thing. Which is, which I love, by the way. Which yeah, of course, there's yeah. a time and a place as well, right? The Big Kahuna burger is based on that clearly, right? It's that In and Out burger style burger. Uh, yeah. The Derwood Kirby burger is that diner style burger, that French mm. bistro style burger, which I prefer. In Toronto, shout out, they're not advertising, but Allen's on the Danforth do the best one in the city. Um, and give us some money, Allen's. Yeah, give us some money because it's good. But this is a Chuck brisket built burger, high fat, medium to high fat burger. Yeah, uh, Looks great. Then we get into the $5 milkshake. Yes, which at the time sounded outlandish, but now that's pretty much what milkshakes cost. Oh yeah, in the 90s, a $5 milkshake is overpriced. Now the best milkshake yeah. I've ever had in my life, uh, I will throw down this, not not even advertised because I don't think they're there anymore. Palm Beach Island, uh, uh, shout out to Mar-a-Lago, Trump's place, <laughs> out of Palm Beach. That's Trump where... makes the best no, milkshake? Not at all. Uh, okay. But there was a place on Worth Avenue called Hamburger Heaven. And when I was a little kid, I'd go there when we go down to Florida uh, for the great Jewish migration down there every winter, visit my grandparents. Hey, Mazel Tov. Um, Hamburger Heaven had the best black and white milkshake, which now segues us into the Amos and Andy, Martin and Lewis. So before Martin, we get into that, though, before we get into that. Go ahead. Do you crack an egg in your milkshake? Into my milkshake? I've seen that. I've seen, seen. I went to get a milkshake once, and they asked me if I wanted an egg in it. I would never. But I think actually, uh, we're jumping ahead because he orders his steak and the burger both uh, rare. Yes. Right. Bloody. Bloody. Bloody, bloody which is rare, um, yeah. or medium rare. I would assume rare to medium rare. No, no, no. They give them the option. Do you want it burnt to a crisp or bloody as hell? But medium rare by classic like Morton's standard. Which is, in my opinion, the best steak chain in the world, but they're not sponsoring us. Uh, no, is by the way, Borton's worst uh, steak chain in the world, unless you pay us. Yeah, 
red in the middle, pink around, and then cooked on the outside. Did you? Is, did it have a, like a little crisp, a little uh, yeah, char? Yeah, char. Okay. Yeah, really. So it's just like high heat, yeah. and then oh, high that's heat. how you cook a steak, right? High heat. Yeah, like thirty seconds or whatever on one side, thirty seconds on the other side. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends mm. how you want it. Like it, medium is, I think it's like a minute aside. So okay. yeah, 30 seconds, medium rare. Uh, I Once again, leave in the comments. I could be totally out to lunch. Uh, depends on your heat. Depends on what you're cooking on. Are you grilling it? Are you doing it in the oven? Sous vide. How are you cooking it, right? Let's cut to the milkshake. She has it, Martin Lewis, which is vanilla. Martin Lewis, yep. comedy duo. Two white guys. Amos and yep. Andy, two black fellas. Well, Amos and Andy were a uh, minstrel duo. Right. So it could have been two white guys. Oh, but wearing... Guys. Yeah, I, I know. I know it's a famous minstrel duo. Okay. So I don't know if the minstrels were black or white, but their face were painted black. Look, Tarantino doesn't shy away from, you know, the, the, racial, the, the racial tropes or whatever. Yeah. Basic to a milkshake. Uh, Martin Lewis, vanilla, Amos and Andy, chocolate. Yeah, Martin Lewis is Jerry Lewis and um, Dean, Dean Martin. Martin. Yeah. Yeah, they were a duo. So our recipe for today is going to be, a, I'm calling it a Martin and Amos milkshake, which, throw shout out to Hamburger Heaven, which I brought up before. Best black and white milkshake I've ever had. Uh, racial unity in a milkshake. And there's a Seinfeld episode, look to the cookie. I say look to the milkshake. This recipe will teach you not only how to make ice cream, because it's a quintessential ingredient in a milkshake. You can use your briars or whatever you got. No, not sponsored. Uh, but, you know, try and make it yourself if you can. You don't need an ice cream maker for this recipe. You basically just use your freezer and a mixer. Chocolate, vanilla, mix both, little milk. Don't forget the, mer how do you pronounce it? The merchino cherry, the maraschino cherry. Maraschino cherry. On yeah. top. After you're finished, check your yard because it should bring all the boys to the yard. Fair enough. That sounds delicious to me. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. Damn right. I don't think I've had a milkshake in over 15 years, by the way. I love, I love a milkshake. I, I used to love a milkshake, but then I found how many calories were in it, and I was like, it's just not worth the calories. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah. you gotta live, right? I'd, I'd rather eat 20 nuggets than drink one milkshake. Bold. Just, I'd rather yeah. dip a nugget into a milkshake and see what happens. That's because you're a goddamn savage. I'm, I'm, I'm an amazing, amazing human <laughs> being. So Vincent eats the Douglas Cirque steak, bloody as hell. Mia goes with the burger. As far as dates go, first date we're talking about here. These guys, these people don't know each other. They're not supposed to be sexually attracted to each other, yeah. which obviously always backfires. Yeah, well, especially when you dance like that, right? Usually women are told, you know, on the first day, you want to eat a salad. Mia, I think it shows a lot about her character where she's like, give me the burger, man, yeah. and the $5 shake, and the fries, yeah. and I'm going to do coke in the bathroom. Yeah. I don't and, care. And, and roll me one of those cigarettes, cowboy. Oh, I've got a lot to say about that. Yeah, that's a cowboy. I've got a lot to say that's about that. That's a cowboy that. cigarette. You know, like when you, when you hand roll a cigarette... The smoking community calls it. A, there's, there are the pack, the cigarettes from the pack, which are tailor-made yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. these are cowboy cigarettes. Jay, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Have you rolled your own cigarettes? And, it, and there was a period of time where I. Was, no, I was, please tell me no. I was very much into it. Yeah. Oh yeah, God! Like, what age? What age? University. Were you uh, yeah, of course you were. Financial course savings you were. Yep. involved. Um, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't smoke. Uh, I, I don't anymore. How cool did you think you were when you would roll those cigarettes up at a party? I, it wasn't cool. There was, it was, no, I know, but you thought it was because you did it. Yeah, but there was a there was a bit of a like a, 
kind of a Pulp Fiction. And it literally came from Pulp Fiction. Right? Travolta rolling his own cigarettes. It was yeah. kind of cool. I came on this podcast prepared to roast the heck out of all the dudes <laughs> I knew when I was younger who would roll their own cigarettes. And I yeah. thought, this... This is the douchiest thing I think I've ever seen a human being do, <laughs> is to roll their own goddamn cigarette. Yeah, because, especially ridiculous. at a party. Especially yeah. at a party. Look at me, everyone. I am John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. I'm going to roll. Yeah. You can have your own regular cigarettes, you plebs. This is how the this is how the cool guys do it right Yeah, now. well, he'd just come back from Amsterdam. Was it actually because of Travolta that he rolled it? That uh, rolled I mean, that's part of it. A lot of it was financial savings. It's much cheaper. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair but... Enough. Let's get, let's move on. <laughs> let's do that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. I, I got a little uh, worked up about the roll no secret. So I did want to mention that uh, minute forty-one during the uncomfortable silence between Mia and Vincent, the song playing in the background is "Rumble" by Link Ray, mm -hmm. which is the first and only song ever to be banned by a radio station. No lyrics. Okay. Wow. It was during that time in the 60s where there was like a moral panic about teenage gangs. Okay. And they saw the title of the song as Rumble. Oh. And they're like, we're banning that. We, we, there's going to be violence. So Let's interesting see. that the silence between the two of them had a song which had a history of an un unconscious bias of violence. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, Tarantino is, it, you know, if this were called mu music and podcasts, we could spend another hour on that, right? Like he's, uh, his music choices are very deliberate, very purposeful, very. Uh, and it is also a surf song, which the movie is packed with surf music, which I love. Surf, I mean, the, the theme, oh. surf rock, right? It's all surf. Rock. You mentioned Buscemi as the waiter. Yeah. And at, at a certain point during the uh, the, the dinner, Triple to comments that I don't think our waiter Buddy Holly is very good. You should. No, it's not Buddy Holly. It's it's somebody else, right? Uh, or no, the Marilyn Monroe gets confused with somebody else. But I, I, I noticed in the second watching of the movie, Buscemi's character is not very nice, by the way, as a waiter. Travolta's right. But every step of the way, Travolta seems to get into a beef with somebody. He gets into a beef with Paul, the bartender, over nothing. You know, he gets he gets into Bruce Willis's face, Butch, over nothing. Yeah. He's, Bruce Willis is buying some cigarettes. Travolta's like staring him down. I think Travolta is a low-key jerk. Yeah. As a human being in this, he's getting into yeah. unnecessarily violent or, or just like tense uh, social altercations with people over nothing. Well, because he's he personifies cool, but he's not keeping his he doesn't really keep his cool a lot of the time, does he? No. I mean, when when we now we leave Jackrabbit's limbs and that whole heroin situation happens, he loses his mind. Which. Is the right thing to do in those 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 situations, but just like in general, Vincent very kind of like I think he's one of those guys that you don't want to go drinking with because he's definitely getting into a fight with somebody. Yeah, he's gonna he, be like that guy's looking at me. Why is he looking at? Like he's one of those dudes. He's a, he's a lot of talk. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't even think of that. Yeah, minute forty-five after the very powerful sexually tense dinner date between Mia Wallace and uh, uh, Vincent Vega. Mia accidentally snorts Vincent's heroin, which is apparent. I didn't know this because I'm not a drug guy, but like apparently that's that'll kill you when you snort heroin. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. I don't know anything about it. I've never heard. Quick fact, though. Tarantino got that idea from a documentary that Scorsese did 
I think it was called American Boy. Scorsese was a friends with a junkie and he explains how that exact situation happened to him. And you can watch the documentary about it actually. So little shout out to Scorsese there. Cool, cool. But Mia Wallace is ODing on Vincent's heroin. Vincent jumps in his car. Nice car, by the way. Yeah, and he calls his drug dealer they Lance. They mentioned that car before. The Lance asks him what I forget what kind of car it was a Malibu or a Monte Carlo. Yeah, he or he, he does mention it. He does and, mention it. And yeah. you don't mess with a man's car, uh, and it's that car. And he brings it in, and and notice how like before he's like you don't mess with a man's car, but he's lost his cool. He just rips it right across the lawn, and like it's right into the <laughs> house. <laughs> oh, and there there is also a, a nerd theory I, I believe somewhere on the internet where it's they think that Bruce Willis Butch actually keyed his car after he leaves the strip club. Just oh, it makes Vincent sense. Vincent unnecessarily got into his face over nothing. Yeah, so. it makes sense. Yeah. He's driving Mia to his drug dealer's house because he doesn't know what to do with an ODing person. He feels that this person's a drug dealer. They've done with, they've dealt with this all the time. He will know what to do. And uh, Lance, we cut to him in his in his house. He's in his house coat, as he should be, as all, most drug dealers are. Mm-hmm. When you Always in a them. dirty house coat. Or shirtless for some reason. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. But Lance, like every good guy who likes to get high at 10 o'clock at night, he's eating some cereal and debating whether to answer the phone. Yeah. And the cereal is a Tarantino brand. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, Fruit fruit Brute is what the cereal is called. I think it's a playoff of Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops, yeah. Terrible food, munchy food. He's hungry. He's But he's doing some pretty serious drugs, this guy, so... Yeah, I, I, I will say that cereal is one of the great uh, high foods out there, keep, especially late. Yeah, night. but he's keeping weird hours, like he's eating a breakfast in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, but cereal, you kind of, you can kind of do that. That's a good yeah, late night snack. Not, not at this age. Well, no, not at this age, but like you know, if I were selling heroin, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. But no. Um, so yeah, he comes by. Uh, I love that call where it's like crank caller, crank caller, because that actually happens. Plenty of time. That was, yeah, back like, in the day when we didn't have anything to do, a lot of people would amuse themselves with, with crank calls. Yeah. And, well, also, like, drug dealers always thought they were being listened to. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you'd call your friend and be like, hey, I'd like to uh, pick up some books. You know, like, they, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. And, like, the buddy who's selling, like, three grams of weed thinks he's, like, on the FBI's, like, list of, like, like they just—that's like a paranoia thing. Like that, and that's God. a great commentary by Tarantino. I think the conversation drags on far too long, and I think that's deliberate. And then he's like, oh, "Don't bring her by, crank color, crank color." Like he's trying to avoid the conversation, but Buddy's already there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so bunch of crazy things happen with the adrenaline shot to the heart. Yeah. Mia snaps out of it. Thank God she's okay. Jules drives her home, and uh, the joke that she refused to tell during dinner, she volunteers to tell the joke to Vincent. That's significant, right? That she trusts him now, or some, there's some kind of like arc which closes when she tells him that joke. Right? Yeah, he's not going to judge her. They've been through it together. They've been through something together. She's humiliated herself enough as it is with the drugs. So they're both now on each other's level. He lost his cool... She lost her cool. They were in it together. They both have that same fear, right? Like the Marcellus. So they have a bit of a bond now. They've been yeah, through. Yeah, they're They've been through it together. Marcellus Wallace is, could easily kill them both. They Marcellus both, is like dad at this point. I won't tell dad if you won't tell yeah, dad. Don't yeah, tell. Yeah, I, so. I won't. You, you won't. So yeah. we have a secret together. We're in cahoots. 
I'll tell you, I'll show you mine, you show me yours, right? Telling the joke, finally, is sort of like saying, you know what, don't worry about it, we're cool. You know, yeah, without, the, without without actually saying it. And the joke's nothing, it's it's exactly what she no, said. No, no, no. The punchline of the joke is ketchup. Ketchup, yeah. It's not a funny Very movie. significant as far as food, as a food movie goes, yes. that the, the punchline is ketchup. Yes. But yeah. not a great joke. No, no, no. Well, she said it wasn't a good joke. And we could see why the pilot didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. that being said, uh, what do you what do you take from that? <sighs> Everything about it is good, I think. Because the joke itself, again, it's not great, but it's 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 it was set up so far back. And then we come forward and now here's the it's just a great writing, kind of like thinking ahead, yeah. thinking in layers. So it's, it's almost like this is what a novel would do, like a novelist would do yeah. something like this. I'm going to set something up in chapter two, pay it off in chapter seven, yeah. or even at the end of the book. Yeah. But this is the end of their story, and that is a nice callback closing of their story. And I, and I do think it is her way of saying, don't worry, man, we're cool. We're, you know? we're in it together. Yeah, we're cool. I'm not going to tell. You're not going to tell. You know, we're, we're good. Okay. Yeah, that was that was that was an intense scene. Yeah, by the way. great, and, lot to unpack there. So let's keep going. Yeah, all right. Uh, one oh, this this scene goes right into the gold watch scene. What might be my favorite scene in the movie? The Christopher the gold Walken, watch scene. The gold watch. Yeah, which yeah. kind of sets up uh, Bruce Willis's character. Yeah, but like way. I've never seen a like I've never seen a scene like that. Have you seen a scene like? That? I don't think I've ever. Yeah, seen a scene well, like that. I mean, there's another Christopher Walken scene like that in. Uh, True Romance. Wasn't it Christopher Walken or... Oh, the, the uh, Sicilian guy? It was That wasn't Walken. Who what was that? Yeah, it was Tyler. Walken. Yeah, yeah, it's a Sicilian. Yeah, well, performance-wise, yes. Yeah. This was a way of giving us a little backstory of Bruce Willis in just this one tiny little yeah. it's, scene. It, and also, it's hilarious. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah. yeah. And it spells out Bruce Willis's entire like reason for being who he is and why he's doing that, right? Like, it, really yeah. sets him up as like his dad was a chivalrous guy he's not he's not that um he's actually more like walking who i don't know like overthinking cap going into this how did walking survive that and willis's dad not survive that because he didn't have a gold watch up his ass he died of dysentery Oh, okay. Oh, no, he did. He did actually put it in his ass when his dad did. Yeah, die. he took the watch and put it up. Watch and shoved it up his yeah, ass. Yeah, I don't know. There's like, it, it was. Maybe he just had a stronger constitution. Or, or yeah, or maybe he just survived. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, but I did notice on this, on this viewing that there was a full on bar in the living room yeah. of the house, which 70s, I think is a specific 60s, 70s. 60s, 70s tiki style bar. Yeah. yeah. Very that much. happened, eh? Oh, that yeah. really, like, people time. really did that. Yeah, it was great. Oh. That must have been a good time in the 70s, man. I wish I had been like a 20 year old in the 70s. That would have been awesome. No, I'm, I'm good with now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, strangely, there is a full bar in Butch's living room, which seems like a middle class living room. Yeah. Uh, typical, typical 70s style suburban house living room. So I guess his mom loved to party, man, because his dad wasn't around. So I guess mom was out there just swinging. Uh, I don't know. Or his dad built the house and then left. But the bar was stocked, though. Yeah, the bar true. was definitely stocked. Yeah, so, so maybe she was drinking. 
Alright, so Bruce Willis' mom out to like the party. Yeah. Moving on to the, I think the most significant food character of this film is Bruce Willis's wife or girlfriend, I believe girlfriend, Fabienne. And she's talking about how she wants to have a pot belly. Yeah. How she wants to eat so much food and how she thinks it's so sexy to have a pot belly. And certain and as a yeah. Certain cultures right. would go there and would definitely agree. Certain ancient cultures would go there and agree. The you know, the robe Yeah, the Botticelli yeah, thing. Yeah. Rubenesque women. The Romans love you know, it was a status symbol. The African like African American community is, is into it, uh, from what I've been told. Belly dancing, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think he's probably playing paying homage to different cultures and, and maybe her culture. I'm not sure. Okay, so she seems the one who is most connected to food. Okay. Directly, she's like apropos of nothing. She's just talking about how she really wants to get fat, get a pot belly, and then uh, at, that was sorry, that was minute uh, that was one hour sixteen minutes in, one hour twenty four minutes in, as if she hadn't expressed enough how she wants enjoys food and wants a pot belly. She describes a breakfast, a giant breakfast that she wants to have. She wants a big plate of blueberry pancakes, eggs over easy, five sausages, orange juice, black coffee, a slice of blueberry pie, and a thin slice of melted cheese yeah. on the pie for breakfast. Do you put the cheese on your pie? Because I've seen that offered some places. Mostly with apple pie, though. No, never. It sounds like a good idea. Apple and cheese, right? Like brie and apples is real good. So this is on the pie, though. Yeah, apple pie and with, yeah, with yeah. cheese, right? So, but but are you into it? Like, what do you yeah, want I'm into the flavor combination. I've never tried it though. Okay, so you go with ice cream. You're a la mode. Uh, if I well, I'm a key lime pie guy. I'm not an apple pie guy. Yo, I are you serious? Only like key lime pie. Well, that's intense. That's an intense. Very flavor. specific about key lime pie. Yeah, love key lime. Pie. <sighs> that's a smack in the face. Key lime pie is a real like smack in the face. A hell of a pie. Yeah. And Butch's name, nicknames for Fabienne. At one point, he ca he calls her uh, Sugar Pop, and another time he calls her Lemon Pie. Okay. So, do you think food. there's anything behind that, or do you think this relationship is just based on food? She likes. It food. seems to be something with these guys, man. Like she yeah. keeps talking about food. He nicks nicknames her food nicknames. So yeah. that could be a sex thing too, you know. He, well, he he. There's a point where she says, are you going to give me oral pleasure? So maybe there's like an oral fixation with him and that's how it's expressed through maybe. her nicknames with food. My, you know, hinting at what we talked about last episode, my wife's, what I, my pet name for my wife is food based. Oh, well, you're not going to say it, right? Not going to say it, but it's food based. Okay. So there's a, there is a, an affection, you know, there's a, a term, terms of endearment can be very much food based. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You love food. There's a passion to food. There's, you know, people eating food is a, you know, it can be in a lot of ways a, a, a passionate sexual kind of thing, right? Absolutely. And food in the bedroom, Absolutely. right? That's a thing. George Costanza did it, right? I'm into it, you know, if yeah. it's the right food. Sure. So? Sure. I, I see, I, I get that. And I think Tarantino's using that to paint this picture here between these two. There's a love there. All right, all right. So Bruce Willis realizes that uh, the one thing that he was not supposed that she was not supposed to forget is his gold watch, which we've already been through that. Been Left at the apartment, he decides to risk going back to his apartment to retrieve the gold watch, and then he goes to the kitchen. He's, he's hungry. He hasn't had breakfast apparently, and he goes for a fake pop tart called yeah. a frosted cinnamon toasted toaster pastry. Yeah, like a toaster strudel pop tart. 
Um, yeah. Interesting. He puts the pastries in the in the toaster, sees the Uzi on the counter. Yeah. Vincent walks out of the bathroom. He's surprised. Butch is surprised. Toaster pops. The pastries pop up. Boom. Yeah. There goes. Just, I think, a very nice editing cue. Um, I don't know if there was too much metaphorically there. Um, I don't think much. I think he was just hungry. Yeah, I think he was just hungry, uh, but very interesting. But a great device with the popping up, cutting to. It breaks the tension. Spaghetti Western, right? It's the the ticking clock, the quick draw, that kind of thing. So he kills Vincent, flees the apartment. He's in his car. He's feeling good. He's, he's singing to himself. And coincidentally, Marcellus walks right in front of him carrying a box of donuts yeah. with two coffees, probably because he was staking out the apartment with Vincent and went out to get these donuts. Yeah. And then Butch drives his car right through Marcellus Wallace. I never, thought, I never thought of that. But yes, that makes a lot. Really? That makes a lot. Why else would he be there? I have no idea. I never really okay. put that together. But there was two coffees, so in, that's yeah, why. Yeah, and interestingly enough, food connecting the story. Absolutely, absolutely. So we went from Fabienne, Bruce Willis's girlfriend, talking about her breakfast. Mm-hmm. Bruce goes to his apartment, grabs his breakfast, doesn't finish it, and then he everyone's breakfast seems to get it's interrupted. Just ruined. Yeah, yeah, ruins Marcellus Wallace and, and Vincent's breakfast definitely uh, by running over Marcellus Wallace. And uh, Jules Vincent. interrupts their breakfast. A lot of interrupting of the only person who finishes his breakfast is Tim Roth, and uh, yeah, 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 and he does survive, so maybe that's uh, yeah, maybe there's something there. Yeah, okay, so so after Butch drives his car through Marcellus Wallace, we go through a lot of uh, non food stuff, a lot of non food, violent, disturbing, great base. That I mean, those scenes are fantastic. The two guys that. Yeah, they bust into the shop, the pod shop, and they're just doing some very loud stuff in the basement. Well, here's the thing that's interesting is because Jules's whole speech to Brett is that, you know, why did you try to... We're talking about Marcel's, but why did you try to F him like a, like yeah. a B? I, don't, I can't... It's hard to not swear with the Right, but movie. you know what I mean. But it's like, why did you try to F him? Why did you, and he's like, no, you didn't know. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But And then in the end... Someone actually f's like a Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. yeah, and the way he cuts this movie, it, it all wraps itself up. Like Vincent dies, but we see Vincent again. Yes. Right. Yeah. Chronologically, he dies, but in the movie, it's not chronological. But the chronology so. isn't what we're relying on to wrap the movie. Yes. It's just yeah. The, Absolutely. It's Absolutely. At an hour and fifty minutes in. Butch has just escaped from the clutches of this uh, weird sadomasochistic cop and his pawn shop partner. He's returned to his apartment with the gold watch, looking like heck. Fabienne starts crying because he won't explain what's going on. He just wants to get on the bike and go. She starts crying. In order to calm her, he asks her about her her breakfast and what she ate for breakfast. Mm. And they get into the details. So food acts as this soothing component to their relationship. So... Food very important to I think Butch and Fabian. I think it's a, it's an underlying tone for their relationship for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, moving on. One fifty eight. Jules and Vincent uh, take refuge in their friend Jimmy's house. They are trying to get out of there before his wife Bonnie comes home. It's called the Bonnie situation, and uh, they make a great. It's it's noted how good Jimmy's coffee is. Yeah. Both by Vincent and by the wolf who comes in later. 
another Tarantino character, Harvey Harvey Keitel. And again, we're interrupting someone's interrupting Jimmy's breakfast. Yep, basically. Breakfast gets parts. interrupted again. Yeah, right. So they're they're in a, in a bind. They've got a car full of blood. They're trying to get rid of it. They go to this friend's Jimmy's house. He doesn't know what to do. They call Marcellus Wallace. Marcellus Wallace is eating breakfast. Okay, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he's eating <laughs> breakfast. He's eating breakfast by a pool, and Mia Wallace is drinking a. We had a discussion about Caesars in our last podcast, the pilot podcast, where I went off about all the crap they put in Caesars now. Right. Mia Wallace drinking a plain Caesar. There's not even any salt around the edge on this thing. Are we sure it's a Caesar or not a Bloody Mary? I assume it's breakfast, so it's a Caesar. The Bloody Marys too. Bloody Marys are a hangover cure, right? Same with the Caesar. The hair of the dog, right? Oh, so okay. I'm assuming um, Mia Wallace is recovering from what happened, but I'm not sure where we are in the chronology right now. Right. We are... Where are we in the chronology? No, we're not there yet. Okay. Jewel, uh, Vincent and me have not met yet. So she's having her Caesar. This it, is just a normal... The thing is, is that the Caesar is a kind of Canadian thing. Mm-hmm. So you think it's a Bloody it's Mary? A, I think it's a Bloody Mary. Okay. All right. Because also Caesar's heavily garnished. Bloody Mary might have celery, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays they got a whole bunch of stuff in it. But I will say that I think Marcellus Wallace wins breakfast. His breakfast looked the best, as far as I can tell. Throughout the whole yeah. film? I would say, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. It just looked good. It just looked like a really good, kind of like high-end Solid breakfast. Solid breakfast? Mm-hmm. I, we go- uh, the, the ones that Jules and, Ver, uh, and Vincent at the end have some nice breakfast. So Jules and Vincent, uh, two hours, 13 minutes in, Jules and Vincent are eating breakfast. Vincent orders the pancakes with bacon. They have a discussion about, about Jules, Jules not eating bacon. Yeah. yeah, Jules is eating a muffin, by the way. He doesn't eat pork. Right. Which right. which question is, is, do you think that's religious? Because he calls it a dirty animal, right? No, he says it's not religious. He said, that oh. I just don't dig on swine. That's what his whole point was. Yeah, he thinks it's a dirty animal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before that, though, at 2.12, Julius Sweeney makes an appearance at Monster Joe's uh, scrapyard. And he, her and the wolf decide to go out to breakfast. We never see it, though. But there's a whole theme of breakfast towards yeah. the last third of this movie, which is very significant food-wise, I think, to the film. I mean, beginning and end, right? Like, in the beginning, they're having breakfast, too, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. 216, part of Vincent's description of a bum is someone who eats what he throws away. So food as a class divider, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, 217, uh, Vincent asked Jules, when did he have his revelation of when he... Uh, after almost getting shot and not getting shot, Jules decides he's going to give up the life and become some kind of saint going from town to town solving crimes. Vincent asked him when he had this revolution, when he was just sitting there eating his muffin and drinking his coffee. He says, yeah, when I was eating this muffin and drinking my coffee. So it, it really is like the, the breakfast montage of the last third comes mm. to fruition with with Jules's revelation to himself while he's eating his muffin and drinking his right. coffee. So I think this is the most important of all the breakfasts in the movie is Jules muffin and coffee. Did you? F- yeah, I, I agree. Did you happen to figure out what muffin we're looking at there? Didn't, couldn't see. I didn't couldn't see, see it. it. What's, what kind of muffin are you into? I like a nice blueberry. Blueberry? I'm a brand yeah. guy. I've always been a brand guy. Brand, okay. Banana. Nut, nuts in it? Like, do you like any nuts? I like a, I like a kind of a plainer muffin. 
Like, but the Tim Hortons chocolate chip muffin is always a good time. But that's like that's just cake. Yeah, at that point like, you're eating you candy, so like let's not do it. But yeah. you know, if I can treat myself every now and again, come on. Okay. But yeah, brand. Do you warm it up? Do you warm that? Oh do you yeah, melt that butter, <laughs> salty butter. Uh, eat, <laughs> on the chocolate chip muffin. Yeah, or, or on the brand, whatever, whatever. You know, I, oh, I just man. don't like I don't like raisins in my anything. I like okay, raisin, raisin bran cereal. Yeah, I eat that all day. Uh, all right. Raisins on their own, yes. Okay. Uh, but you put raisins into things, and I start getting like over. Banana bread with raisins? No, I like banana no. bread. Just banana bread. Just with it, okay. Or throw some ch chocolate chips in there. Why not? <laughs> that actually is delicious when they put chocolate chips and raisins. Oh, and chocolate bread. and banana together—that's a combo. It's just, it's just, it's just the best. Yeah. I think there are some big themes here that, I mean, and maybe we'll probably do some more Tarantino movies as we go. But um, one, food as a sexual catalyst. Oh yeah. Like between oh, Bruce yeah. Willis's character and his special lady there. Um, Very much so. Breakfast, interrupting breakfast. Um, you know, breakfast being the most important meal of the day. Starting a lot your, of stuff happens around breakfast. A lot in this of people movie, did man. not start their day out right in this movie. No, right, which is no. an interesting thought. And yeah. I mean, what's what's really weird is it's like this is all one day, kind of, right? Yeah, I believe the end, the chronological end of the movie, I think, is when Travolta gets shot. Yeah. So no, wait a second. But that continues. So it's when when Bruce drives away on the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the chronological Zed, end. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess at the end of it, everyone kind of had a terrible day. Yeah. And Except Bruce. Bruce seems to drive off triumphantly, though. He seems okay with it. Yeah, but because he did get away. Did Bruce's breakfast get interrupted? I think. Yeah, he didn't. I don't. Know, I don't think he finished the pop tart. We don't know if he finished the Pop-Tart. I, mean, I assume he didn't. I don't think you can eat a Pop-Tart if you kill a guy like that. Yeah, he also didn't have a good day. Terrible day. So I think Terrible the theme day. of Pulp Fiction, I think just to drop it on a bombshell is, yeah, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Don't let anyone interrupt your breakfast, man. Never. No. You're going to have a bad day. I think that's the hot take. <laughs> I think so. we got to get Tarantino in and really talk to him about that. Oh, my God. This will be three and a half hours if we got Tarantino in here. Oh, yeah. And be like, uh, we may as well just go to a video store. Yeah. All right, man. Um, all right, Cher. This has been a good one. Yeah. Been a little bit of a long one. A little bit of a long one, one, but let's, uh, you know, let the good So shout out the recipe again, just for those who yeah. uh, made the, this. Uh, I think we're calling it the, uh, I call it the $2.50 milkshake. It's a Martin mm -hmm. and Amos uh, black and white milkshake. Uh, it will be in the description below. Uh, check it out. Um, you know, tell me if it's good, tell me if it's bad. I kind of just make these up. Half of them I barely try. Uh, so, yeah, let me know how it goes. Uh, and if it's if it's terrible, give me a better recipe. All right. We do, what did, do we know what the next uh, podcast is going to be? I don't, think uh, I don't think we've decided it yet. There are a couple. We, you and I should talk about that. Uh, but, yeah, well, let's leave it as a mystery. Okay, well, this has been the Food and Movie Podcast, where we investigate the intersection of food and movies between two friends who like food and movies. We'll see you next time, folks.